An A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Hello and welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. So, have you had a good Christmas? Oh, it's been marvellous. Yesterday oh. was just presents, the tree, the Christmas, the, the, the Santa Claus, all the things. Yes. Good Lord, yes. I keep forgetting that people are actually bothering with that. <laughs> wow. We sat there being, we sat there being grim. <laughs> grim. With a, bit of, with, with a bit of old pigeon, we we got off the lawn. Oh, fantastic. That sounds wonderfully um, bleak. Well, you know, I thought we'd, we'd get in the mood for camp life. <laughs> no, no, we've passed all that. We're in a new a new place. Because what are we talking about today, Andy? Well, we, we've kind of cheated a bit, but it, I think it's worked out well. Sometimes the stars align. Yeah. We were talking... The A to Z has stuttered. Yes, we've stuttered a bit. But... We suddenly realised this episode would go out on Boxing Day. Happy Boxing Day, folks. And <laughs> we realised that, ooh, Tenka Reunion actually went out on Boxing Day 1985. So this could be the 35th anniversary. <gasps> so why don't we stick with Tenka? Have we made cake? I've made cake. I hope you have. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> Hopefully there's some leftover Christmas cake in the bottom of the of the cupboard. Yes. Next to the remains of the pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> the remains of the pigeon. I and the homebrew. Well, <laughs> oh, so, I'm I'm preparing for post Brexit life, mate. <laughs> yeah. So we if we could ask everyone to fill their sherry glasses, because I think that feels appropriate. Imagine you're in Marion's yeah. living room. It's still Christmas and festive. <laughs> and we're oh, gonna no. Yeah, and we're gonna spend a little time talking about Tenka Reunion. Yes. Excellent. So. Excellent. <laughs> first thoughts, Martin. I know you kind of watched Tenka all through for the first time a few years ago, so this is your second viewing of Tenka Reunion. It is, yes. Uh, well, I, I suspect I actually watched it at the time. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't averse to the old Christmas special. I think there's something interesting about Christmas specials generally, and sometimes Christmas specials can be a bit overblown a bit over over egged yeah if you like over, over eggnogged <laughs> yes good <clears throat> like it but um but uh, and sometimes they try too hard and it's interesting i i what gets me about tenka reunion is it's set five years after the show it's made only about 18 months 
less the show less less than 18 yeah. months right and uh, well i have to bow to your <laughs> yes you have on, to on these things i've got all the recording dates right in front of me no it was actually 16 minutes and 27 seconds right. <laughs> started recording in um, august they, carried on filming. they just kept kept the cameras running and just put new frocks on yeah, quick yeah. quick um, <laughs> so it's it was made within within a year well, it started of, of shooting in August '85. The, the last series right. having gone out in finished in December '84, I think. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And and uh, was it already commissioned when the show was running? Or um, was it as, sort of as the last episode of series three went out? Um, there was an after Tenko document circulating at the BBC, which was right. what are we going to do next? Are we going to do series four uh, and five? Or, or yeah, and five. Gosh, or are we going to do something more one-off? Interesting. Yeah. Now that is interesting, actually, because I've I've got a theory about um, series that have built-in longevity, mm. and some that are, are and some that are basically, you know, something like Prison Break. Yeah. Remember Prison Break? Yes, I do. Know, American series. But it's like you set it all up and da 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 da, da they escape at the end of the series one. Mm. And you go, what do you do next? Yeah. And you suddenly, and you suddenly realise these shows run six years. And, and basically that means it must be six different years of people breaking in, <laughs> escaping, breaking. You know, it, <clears throat> the, the premise sometimes, and, and you kind of think this is the thing with Tenko, you kind of think the bit in the camp, as I said in the, in the previous yeah. uh, edition, is actually a lot... L- less of the series than you kind of think it was i mean maybe part of that was was your mindset was yeah. it's still I, it's admit, still it, a good it's still a good 20 episodes i don't mm, i don't oh yeah no, no <laughs> i know I, I appreciate that i mean what i'm saying is i i don't know whether it was just one of those things where in my head whether because I, I was convinced there were like 13 in a season i was just think i was just convinced that the actual camp stuff went on forever right and then in reality it really it 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 was very much in those, like you say, 20 episodes. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting. But if you kind of then decided to extend it another two years, you do kind of think you're getting further and further away from the basic notion. Now, you could also t- have arguments about uh, post-traumatic tra- stress and all that. This is really cheery stuff for Boxing Day, isn't it? No, it's good. But, it's good. It's all good. I but, think Tenka um, Reunion is very cheery, actually, mostly. Anyway, mm, we'll come back to that. Yeah, carry on. No, but it, but you've got this sort of thing about post-traumatic stress or, or moving on through life or, or the stuff. Because, I mean, in reality, the people who were in turn didn't really talk about it, did they? But the effects it had on them in reality yeah, uh, or over the long term would have been an interesting series. But whether it would have still been, quote, Tenka, I don't know. Yeah, so so it's, I think it's worth talking about the fact that we have Lavinia Warner, creator... Um, storyliner of Tenko as a, a special extra interview today after this episode and it's worth saying that as she will talk about she was just as interested in the story of what happened to the women when they came home in their experience mm. in England as she was in the story in the camp so there was an equal mm-hmm. interest for her so for her it was incredibly important and as you'll hear mm. when I talk to her she was saying, yeah, yeah, there was the series after in Singapore, but that was immediately after release. She was more interested in the longer term effect, effects right. of liberation. So, so I think she was quite disappointed that it didn't it didn't go mm. further in, into the England story. Was there ever any suggestion of doing a second reunion or a third reunion? No, no. They knew once no. they'd done a reunion, that was it. And she was very happy that to say it. that's it. Definitely. Right. But it's just, yeah, it's just. So a, they don't, you don't get whispers that somebody about 10 years later said, oh. 
got any more Tenkos? Is Ed Reardon available? <laughs> no, no, none of that. <laughs> no. Yeah. So anyway, what what are your thoughts about it? I think is it, the interesting thing for me is that, like, like I was saying uh, before, the 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 fact is that the the, the Christmas special can be an over egg pudding. But I actually think this, I, I genuinely thought this was a masterclass in how to respect the show that you're doing a tribute to. Yeah. Um, without it being too blatant. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Five Doctors to bits, and I know the show was still current yeah. at that stage. But sometimes there are moments where you just think that's just for the sake of, oh, hey everybody, I'm the third Doctor. Yeah, you know, and let's have our, our bit of business. And I think the thing about Tenko Reunion is it does manage to actually close, you know, finish a lot of the storylines or expand yeah. a lot of the storylines without being too. And this is your bit in the spotlight. Exactly. This is your bit in the spotlight. It feels spotlight. natural. It's, it feels earned. It does. Yeah. And also it manages. Uh, in, I mean, weirdly, I mean, you've got. Um, obviously characters that didn't make it through the original series and and yet there are name checks you get name checks for rose you get name checks for blanche you get uh you know joss yeah uh, get sort of turns up in at least two name checks yeah you know so you actually and uh you know the late great uh slab of stone that was tom yes. you know all these things get touched upon without being Oh, we've got to do this bit now because we need to bit about your storyline, and we got and it, it these you know when these talk about Terence Dick getting all the yeah pieces and trying to build. It's not. It's actually much more subtly well put together than that. It's very well structured. Yeah. I well, when I asked Lavinia, um, as you'll hear in an interview, what the difference between Jill Hyams writing and Anne Valerie's writing was, she said that mm. that Jill was the most subtle writer. And you just mm. picked up upon that. I think it's it's very subtly written in the sense that everything's developed, everyone gets rewarding stuff to do, you find out more about them, and yet it's not in your face. And what I was sitting, think, sitting, thinking in bed just before I went to bed last night to sleep, I was thinking, it's weird. With the foghorn. Yes, we had the foghorn on the Humber. It was very loud, but that's one of the reasons why I was still sat there thinking stuff. Was that what? It's so weird. You mentioned the five doctors because I thought. Wouldn't it have been wonderful if Jill Hyam had written The Five Doctors? <laughs> and I actually had that thought last night. Mm. It's funny. Because she just well, serves everyone so well. You didn't, you didn't have sort of um, Marion sitting in a room getting game pieces out of, no. <laughs> out of the yard. Yes, I'll bring right? them all back. Ah, I'll time scoop them. Putting them on a board. I like that. I've got I like all these elements thing. to bring in. Yeah. I know we'll do it as a board game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. I should give a bit of history about Jill writing Tenka Reunion. Um, it was Jill who was always going to write it and was asked to write it rather than Anne. I think just because in terms of the time scale, in terms of her reliability, it was going to be, yeah, let's not have Anne do it. Let's have Jill do it because we can be completely confident in delivery and it being really worked to buggery before we have to actually get into production with it because mm. she was so professional. And yeah, so I think it's a really good decision. But Jill was very generous about this in the sense that Anne hadn't got it. So what she decided to do, she was offered to do the tie-in novelisation, but she gifted that to Anne because she realised mm. Anne didn't get Tenka Reunion. So that's a little behind-the-scenes story that I don't think has oh. been told before. There you go. It's not, it's not in my book, even. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. 
this is where I can completely sort of put my feet on the desk now and let you just talk. It's, <laughs> tell you, it's going to come as a shock when we get to the letter U. And, we're going, I know, and I won't have anything. I've had an easy ride for the I know, you'll have to take the horns on that one. <laughs> oh dear. Do you want to do a quick synopsis? I think I should, yeah. So, it's 1950, five years after the women who survived the camps um, agreed that they would meet again um, five years after, after liberation in Singapore to to celebrate, I guess, their survival, their friendship. So gradually they come together and they all come back to Singapore. And when they do so, they come at a time of civil unrest and the communist uprising to take Singapore independence. And ultimately they get embroiled in an attempt to get lots of ammunition from a plantation, which is Dominica's new home with her husband, Teddy. And they find themselves in another very Tenko-esque situation. And Ulrich is shot. And it's very dramatic. Ultimately, though, it's discovered that Christina has taken up with the communists and has, yeah, effectively put them all in danger. Has turned a corner, shall we say. But pretty much everyone is okay. And we end up with Christmas. They finally experience Christmas. The Christmas they talked about so much in the camps. And they have Christmas together at home at Marion's, apart from Kate and Ulrika, who are now working at the centre, which they've taken over from B and Stephen. So it's very complete. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So that was a very quick whiz of a synopsis, but... <laughs> We've spoiled it for everybody. Yeah, we have, but that's what we do. That's what we're best at. <laughs> Can I talk about the best thing about Reunion? The very best thing about Reunion. Uh, and that is Dorothy. Dorothy is just glorious in Tenka Reunion and she looks right in the in the role. Um, Veronica is just perfect here as Dorothy and I think the story is so fun. She's completely independent. She's her own agent and she's just... Oh, it's so good to see her arrive at this place after everything she went through. And it's just so free and glorious. And it's just one of the most satisfying character arcs in all of TV. There you go, I've said it. What about you? Are you married or anything? I'm not living with anybody, if that's what you mean. I prefer my independence. Milk and sugar? Do you know, I can't remember. <laughs> it's awfully surprising. We didn't have much of either in the camp, did we? Not really. Both, please. I'm making up for lost time. Right, you can talk now. I'll let you. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I was in. I was interested actually, because uh, again, because you you, uh, you you have this book, what you wrote. <laughs> yeah. With lots of uh, behind the scenes. Was there any? Um, you know how people have sort of things they have to sign these days about weight gain. Oh yeah. Was there anything like that going on with the show? Because, you know, they all look sort of healthy and blooming in this. And I did wonder, actually, whether there was any kind of, you know, did you know, in terms of the acting, mm. did they have to actually sort of look sort of suitably skeletal for the show? Yeah, or so... Um, was, a, was a lot of that was a lot of that done, you know, just through costume and makeup and... Yeah, uh, well, I remember talking about this with all of them at the time. I didn't mm. put it all in the book because it was kind yeah. of one of those delicate subjects in a way. Mm. But initially... Well, I was hesitating. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but initially there was very much this, what Stephanie Beecham called a group anorexia going on. And mm. 
they wouldn't that wouldn't be allowed now that you know no. they were kind of effectively told yes lo- all lose weight but the mm. women agreed provided that pennant roberts tried to lose weight too no. so he'd go on the scales too in the in the rehearsal rooms right. at acton no, but right. it wasn't a good thing and some people shouldn't mm. lose weight and some people should be the weight mm. they are and all of that stuff mm. but when mm. it comes to tenko reunion um and veronica freely admits she put a bit of weight on and she was a bit worried about it but in the end mm. she felt it looked right for the 50s sort of skirt and the way she she was in that whereas Mm. whereas elizabeth chambers who looks like she's put on weight hadn't and she had to wear Mm. a fat suit right interesting yeah which she called the pink pig (laughs) so she's she's wearing a fat suit all the way through (laughs) and dying in that costume because of the heat heat. yes um and then you've got claire oberman who is really thin in Tenka Reunion. So mm. she said she really struggled to, to lose weight all the way during through all the previous series. And then she's the thinnest <laughs> she ever is in Reunion just because of personal circumstances. Yeah. So. See, I hesitate because I don't want it, to, you know, it, you always worry that when you're talking about something that's got a lot of female characters in it, you're doing a lot of stuff about looks. Yeah, exactly. You know, appearance. But I did wonder because, you know, I, I imagine there might have been a problem if between series sort of Stephanie Beecham had put on sort of like three stone or something. Yeah, it wasn't it very likely not... for Steph, but yes. No, no, I, no, I know. That, that's, why, that's why I picked you, her. That's why you from, picked from, her. Very from, good. From, from, from the air. Yeah. Know, I just thought it, 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 it would have been, you know. And I just, I just sort of wondered really because they are, they, are, they are suddenly looking like the five years has happened and that's a great thing. For it the is, show, isn't the it? They have, they have got better. You yeah. Know? Yes, they are like kind of in their skin Physically, correctly. Maybe not mentally. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's an interesting one. But I think, I think what's neglected in TV history terms is enough dramas set in the fifties because I think it's fascinating, and I know it's because it's expensive. Mm. I mean, Secret mm. Army's um, sequel Kessler was meant to be set in the fifties in Germany, mm. and I think that would have been glorious but the cost mm. of it was just made it too impossible and mm. but i think what you get here it's, interesting that it's just amazing they do the 30s quite well yeah i think the 30s is quite well done quite well because there's an awful lot of art deco about yeah and there's an awful lot of costumes and you can fake it quite yeah the 50s is a more difficult time the other thing about the 50s is uh and i think the, <laughs> i don't want to get too political but people forget how crappy it was. I mean, the, the rationing carried on yeah. for a good 10 years after the war. Yeah. You know, things were not great in 50s Britain. Yeah. You know, and, I, I had a, and yeah, I had a boss um, when I was working mm. in libraries uh, called Fiona. And mm. whenever I ever romanticised about the 50s, um, mm. she, she'd be like, it was bloody awful. It was grey. It was miserable. There was nothing to do. Don't ever romanticise about the 50s. I lived through it. It was horrible. Mm. <laughs> well, that was the kind of interesting thing picking up because uh, uh, over the weekend I watched the trial of Christine Keeler. All right. And of course, that is the early part of the 60s, but it's coming on the back end of yeah. the 50s, you know. And, it, and it's those, those kind of freedoms starting to creep into society, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. But it is interesting that. A lot of people forget that sort of, I mean, we, we, we talked about this when we did uh, Our Friends in the fact that you sometimes the fashions actually in, in the world drag behind, you know, people were still sort of making their own dresses. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in the late 50s, you know, mm. so... So it wasn't all sort of you know off off the cl- off the shelf, not, not Bieber or whatever the equivalent. Yes, of the exactly. Which is, which is what you always think of, you know? but in reality, it was much more fifties mm. clothing than they would have been wearing in the sixties. Mm. Yeah, mm. 
Yeah, but it is true. a fascinating era because again, post-war, you get you know suddenly certain things are available, but obviously you're still in a time of rationing. Uh, but but so so there is more cloth. Uh-huh. <laughs> is the word cloth doesn't sound fabric. Thank you. Cloth. <laughs> More cloth. cloth. And we now go ah. to our textile correspondent, Martin Holmes. <laughs> In the clothing. You know, the clothing has more cloth. <laughs> yes. But I think, but you yeah, see what I mean? Yeah, and, I it, and yet, obviously, you know, you've still got this other thing that you don't see women in trousers very much. Uh-huh. And and hats are still very common. And it's kind of weird. And then you go over to Maggie, yeah. who's living, shall we say, not the high life no. in 50s Britain. And uh, you get that sort of... It's, it's funny, we're asking over the weekend, whatever happened to the headscarf? <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened to the headscarf? It's a good question. And Philippa said, well, if her hair carries on going like the way it is, she'd quite happily, <laughs> happily have them back, thank you very much. <laughs> but the headscarf disappeared. Yeah. Really. But it was everywhere, you know. Yeah. And it was quite fashionable. You know, yeah, but, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. But so, so you get Maggie with the, um, the sort of... Thick, the sort of the one with it knotted at the front, you know, which is kind of the the, the absolute look of the the working class woman with lots of children in 1950s Britain in a terrace house. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. You know, because we start, don't we? We start with a a preamble, which is in Britain. Yeah, and it's glorious. In, in I, London, I just I just oh, I just love it. All these meetings, all these talks, in seeing these characters in. England I just I don't know mm. why I find it so tantalizingly brilliant but I do it's just because it's unfamiliar mm. and because you're I was desperate to know I remember um how old was I then I was 13 when I saw it and I remember mm-hmm. first of all being thrilled that it was an hour and 50 minutes I remember taking the radio times to my mother and saying it's an hour and 50 minutes <laughs> being really thrilled but then to actually see them in these unfamiliar surroundings was just so intoxicatingly brilliant I can't describe mm. Because you really were required to care about these people. You had no choice if you watched all three series. Mm. So to find out what happened next, yeah. Dear Maggie, you'll be surprised to hear from me out of the blue like this. It's for me here. I bumped into Dorothy Bennett the other day. We got talking about old times and thought... What fun it would be if we could arrange a five-year reunion in Singapore. We thought we'd fly out for a three-week holiday. And as it holds so many memories for us all, we planned to stay at Raffles and hold the reunion there. It's from Marion Jefferson, Daddy. They're holding a reunion in Singapore. She wonders if I'd like to go. I, I get the impression it was two episodes, or it was written as two. Uh, I mean, I know, it, I know it was, I know it was broadcast as one, and I know, yeah. but I just get the impression that the the plot sort of, you know, it relocates at exactly the halfway. It point. does exactly. And I just thought that was no. You're right. It it was an awareness that, that... Um, it wouldn't always be um, shown as a as a as a one-off right so yes you've dead right episode mm. two effectively starts when they're in the car mm. going off to the plantation yes there's that mm. okay yeah no that's right i, was, I wasn't sure whether it had actually been no no but there was just then... i think jill was asked to be aware of where the split was yeah yeah there is a lovely uh the thing i like i mean you only really get to see is it three three of the characters yeah. in in london in in the 50s at the in yeah the, opening sequence because obviously the yeah. rest are scattered around the world and everything like that but there's a beautiful moment uh yeah. with because uh, Anne Bell 
and Bell. Astounding performance. She's one of those actors that can do something just oh, with a look, totally. with the slightest move of the face. And I've always impressed with those people where you get everything. I know they sometimes say that you could just put the same shot up and you cut to it and it's what's being said on the soundtrack or whatever. But actually, there's a moment, I think, when she's talking about uh, uh, the go-getter dot. Yeah. How she's become a bit of a go-getter. Yeah. And uh, and there's just a look. And I just thought, God, that is a, that's acting. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I love that moment as well where, where it suddenly dawns on her that the name above the shop... <laughs> Yes, it's Bennett, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just think is, oh, yes, you, you own a shop, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm basically dicking about as a divorced woman drinking too much gin. Yeah. My life is ruined, exactly. and I used to be a leader, and yeah. now I'm just, I'm this divorced woman whose son doesn't like her, and husband, husband is booking off to have kids with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. It's been a bit tragic for Marion, really. It has. I mean, one of my mo- one of the moments that I've never seen before or realised was when she mm. goes to... Um, when she's in raffles and she's having a chat, I think, with Dominica, and you see mm. her get the gin bottle out of her case and then realise she shouldn't get it out and she puts it back in. I don't know whether you noticed that. <laughs> it's a brilliant little moment. But yeah, it's... I mean, there's, there's a glorious sort of fulfilling thing of her becoming the leader again because she has to when there's that mm. bandit attack. Yes. But ultimately... There is this thing to be said about people who have been in a... I think it's it's... Sort of again setting that aside, yeah, and looking at people who have been very big in business and then retire, yeah, and how quickly they can decline, yeah. And I think to be something when you've had even in the most appalling circumstances, which you know, to be yeah. fair, Tenko was when you've had a role or or a, something that you know gives you meaning to your life, yeah, or, you know, a purpose, for want of a better word, yeah, um. And then that's taken away. You go back to your ordinary life. You, you can very, go into a very, very steep decline. Yeah. And I think that's subtly intimated in that opening sequence. Absolutely. The other, the other interesting thing about the opening sequence to me, before we move on to Singapore, yeah. is Maggie. Yeah. Uh, not because of anything about Maggie at all, uh, but I actually thought... She wasn't in this. <laughs> oh, right, okay. I had completely forgotten she was in this. And there's a mention of her uh, when they're at the cafe on the rooftop. Yep. <clears throat> they met. They mention Maggie, and I thought, oh, well, that's it. That's they're just they, there's a nod to her existing, and lo and behold, they cut to her. And this, this, and I thought, oh, oh, she is in it. <laughs> right. Oh, well, maybe she's not. In, maybe she's not in it much. <laughs> she's in it all the way through. <laughs> I think she's less well served than some of the other characters, so maybe mm. that's why you forgot she was in it. But well, there's also the fact that, that that I think that because she wasn't one of the original yeah. cast, yes, you know, she she was always this proto blanche yes. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I I genuinely thought that sometimes what happens with these shows is they go for the main uh, cast, the ones you remember, mm. and maybe sometimes you know characters. It's like in series three when um, what's her name. The not not Verna, but Verna's Daisy, Daisy, sort of just vanishes. Yeah, you know, and it's not that she wasn't a memorable character or anything. It's just that maybe she wasn't seen as one of the principal. Yeah, characters. yeah, yeah. And so nobody really, you know, there's a mention that she died. Yeah, and that's kind of it. And you kind of think sometimes that happens with the reunion style show. Is you you know 
<laughs> you get you get the sort of you'll get you'll you've got to have Beatrice, you've got to have Marion, you've got mm -hmm. to, you know, but no, maybe and I just maybe thought in my head I'd, for, I'd I'd literally forgotten she was in it, which is terrible of me, but but I was I was surprised that she was in it as much as she yeah. was. She actually has an important function in the sense of being someone who Alice can relate to, but also someone who is a great foil for Dorothy and that she's a contrast character that Maggie oh, is absolutely. Maggie is the housewife and yeah. she hasn't got the freedom, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flipping egg. Not bad, is it? <gasps> a real bath instead of a ruddy sink. <sighs> Only Jim and the kids were here. I'd forgotten what this heat was like. Remember all those tenkos? Standing out in the sun. How oh, did we stick it? Oh. Jake hasn't changed much, has he? Was there any any chance at all that one of them wasn't going to come back? Was there, was there any? Were they all contracted from day one, or was there any sort of sense? That, oh, you know, I believe. Like, you know, yeah. They were all going to come back, yeah, yeah. Mm. The okay. only thing was that Ken Riddington admitted the producer that he um, he wished he hadn't killed Joss off in the previous series. Yes, yes. So he yes, said, I, Joss, wish, "I wish he'd been there." Joss is a loss. As it but were. then I don't, I don't agree because I think it's great that you've got this legacy character who can be, you mm. know, part of this foundation of, you know, the schoolroom mm. and the centre. So I don't agree with that. Well, I, think I think Joss's character is an interesting one because she sort of replaced Sylvia. Yeah. And played the same role anyway, yeah. and you do sort of feel that older, wiser, or more reckless head is kind of. It was an important part of the setup. Definitely, you yeah. Know, you know. And of course, Stephen looks a bit lost without her as well. Although that does set up a beautiful sort of relationship with her, with him and and B. Yeah. And of course, I've I've realised I've already made a colossal mistake because there are four characters you see in Britain because you also see Alice. You do very briefly, so you're forgiven that. Mm. <laughs> but uh, well, is 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 it when her father? Is that the chap from Casual? Yes, it is. You at Alexander? Yeah, because he doesn't say anything, does he? He's, no, he's always there as an extra. So he. Origin I thought it was just. Yeah. Originally, there was um, a scene. I think it was even filmed with Marion at her house, in which she had to right. peti petition him to let Alice come. Right. So it was cast as a bigger character. He had a bigger role, but then I think he doesn't even have a line. Ultimately, no, that's, well, that's what I thought. I think I he thought, just grunts from his newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I thought that's weird because I'm sure he's a face I know. I'm yeah, thinking, exactly. And I looked up and he said Bernard Gallagher. I'm thinking I'm sure he was in Casual. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, right, that's interesting. Was was it before? You know, was he was he one of those actors who used to not be an actor, but you know, was in the supporting artist yeah no that was but, it yeah. uh, no 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 it, it just just seemed a very a very big piece of casting for someone who doesn't have a line exactly <laughs> for someone who grunts behind a newspaper yeah. but there we go yeah that, on the cutting room floor and not because this performance oh. wasn't good it was just there was so much in this interesting hmm yeah so we get so shall we shall we, we move singapore? to singapore yes yes all the raffle stuff is glorious and the fact that they actually properly have raffles foyer stuff going on here mm. quite a bit of in the actual foyer um yes was was uh, did you tell me or did i hear it somewhere that raffles was in the process of being demolished at that point 
No, it was just more the expansion all around it of the shopping city all behind it. So, you know, I always see them. The shots are very low (laughs) so that you don't see up above the palm trees because then you'll see the giant plaza behind it. It was just that there was this line about raffles never changes. And I thought, ah, is that just a a, a nod and a wink? (laughs) Oh, I see. Well, I mean, it's just had a massive refurbishment the last three or four years. So the last time I went to the Long Bar, which is um, two years ago. (laughs) As you darling. Do. <laughs> I always go if I'm there. I forget you're an old colonial. Yes. I do forget these things. I was yeah, in the long yeah. bar. Travelling. Do, do you have a white suit and a white hat? Always, darling. <laughs> oh, uh, and it was all under, it was all being refurbished. So they'd actually moved the long bar the last time I was there. It, was in a, it wasn't where the long bar should be. But um, anyway, it was, um, it's now all finished again. It's back to mm. its, its glorious sort of mm. 20s, 30s heyday. Hmm. Yes, so I think they've kind of refurbished it so it's more in keeping with the, the glorious Noel Coward era. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Well, you know that's where that's where the money is, isn't it? Yeah, totally, totally. You can understand why they do that. Yeah. In in a time of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yes. So no, the interesting thing again is that the the transference, uh, the transference to Singapore is in a montage. We like a montage. We do. We like them. <laughs> you get the voice. We get you get the voiceover because the letters yes. being read. Yeah. And uh, and of course you get these glorious stuff of them being on the on the old aeroplane. Yeah. On the old aeroplane. And of course looking down on the world below and going on about all the horrible things that are happening, which they're about to become embroiled in. Nice bit of bit of foretelling there. Yes, definitely. You never think there was a war going on down there. Not a war, an emergency. Mount to the same thing. Not to the insurance brokers. Can you take a seat now, please? Go on. So long as it's just an emergency, they'll still cop up for lost stock. Call it a war and the whole Malayan economy crumbles. You're kidding. I'm not. Alex told me. Your bloke? Mine. Well, do you reckon he'll leave his wife? If I can help it. We'll be there soon. Hmm? Singapore? Seems like only yesterday we left. Yeah, so all of the plane sequences were filmed at Chatham in Kent and all the arrivals and departures. So I always forget mm. that it's not Singapore, but all those bits with mm. the, um, with the, what's it called? The aeroplane that's also a boat? What's that called? Oh, oh, yeah. the the boat the boat plane. The boat plane. I'm sure it's got another name, but let's say that. But seaplane. Seaplane. That was it. It was all filmed yeah. in Kent. Yes. All oh, right, but but that was an actual interior of of, yes. of, of a seaplane because yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was it was a, a beautiful thing. Wasn't and it? you forget when you when you sort of think of your well, you don't even get a plastic fork anymore. <laughs> Well, I don't. I, I always have to travel economy. Of course, you can you can get the client to pay. So. No, no, I I always travel economy. God, I'm not. Quite that, right I'm too. not that good. What with legs as long as you? Yeah, are, I know. I have to be get booked early for the bloody leg room. I tell you, no. my God. <laughs> and I know which seats work on planes for me, which don't. My lord. Uh, anyway, uh, um, well, anyway, back to the way Chatham. we have to travel yeah. as opposed to the way travel was done back then. It's, oh, it's, it's, I know. It's a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, contrast. I mean, is it silver service and, and yeah. knives and forks? And that that narrative glasses. That narrative um, trick of using the letters to move mm. us on quick. 
Um, when mm. Anne wrote the Ten Communion book, she decided to write most of a load of it in the form of letters. So right. it's written in the, as letters a lot of it, which is really really interesting, and it's it's worth mm. a read just because it's choosing that narrative function. Yeah. Yes. So we're in Singapore. They inevitably are going to clash about Yamauchi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do like all Bless. that. But, um, I just think... It's called Bert Kwok is not in this. No, but I just love how Marion so misjudges it every time. <laughs> she, mm. she just can't help but sort of... And I do think she has Stockholm Syndrome. I really do. I think right. she does forget all the terrible, terrible things that happened and the terrible things he did. Um, mm. And I don't know. I, I do struggle with the forgiveness, but it's it's very... It's very accurate, in fact. All mm. the prisoners did choose to forgive and not to hold that mm. onto that hate. And it was very, it's very mm. authentic that they forgave mm. the Japanese. But I, I, mm. I must admit, I do feel sympathy for Beatrice when she's kind of like mm. the conditions she had to work in all those years. No doubt we'll have plenty of time to drink each other's health over the next three weeks. So tonight, let's remember all those who were in the camps. Those who are still alive, those who died either in captivity or as a result of those years. And I think we should remember not only our own people, but our captors as well. Why do you think that's necessary? No, Beatrice is right. Do not think that I am thinking to that monster, Yamouch. I'm bloody well He's not. He's not a monster. No, only human. It's like a record that gets stuck. Look, I'm sorry, but a third of our women died because of his. It isn't as simple as that. Including my mother. And Rose. Not to mention Blanche. He paid for it, didn't he? They hanged him. And quite right, too. Well, someone committed far worse crimes went free. Yes, even some of the Kempitai got off. They were too useful for the Allies. If Yamuchi's trial hadn't been so early on, he'd probably been sent home like the others. That's a dig at me no, because I gave evidence against him. I don't regret it, but I, I do it again every five years. We should No, forgive! None of us will ever forget what happened during those years. If we could, we wouldn't be here. I, I don't know. Forgiveness is a, is a peculiar beast. For some people... Uh, yeah. Will never. I mean, you know, when when a sort of big, horrible crime sort of comes to court, is quite often there's 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 one hand you've got people who just think I would go I would kill them, and you get the other ones who who sometimes are quite religious yeah. families who say no we forgive them, and people really don't seem to understand that that becoming you know, taking the law into your own hands is not the answer to to solve these things. But I can understand the passion and the pain. That drives people to do the yeah. most. I mean, it, it's it's always a bit of a cliche in American crime dra dramas, how the wronged partner, parent, whatever, will pick up the gun and take the law into their own mm -hmm. hands and hang the consequences. And I think people are much more complicated than that. And I think that's that's the beauty of it, you, and the beauty of the fact that you've got B with one side of the argument and you've got Marion with the other side of the argument actually does mean yeah. that you get this this sense that people are complicated and situations are complicated, you know. And there are some people who will never yeah. forgive X, Y, or Z, and there are some people who say, I've yeah. got to move on with my life by letting that go. And I must admit, Marion and B meeting up was a genuinely moving moment. It really, yeah. you know, you, you can, I mean, you know, a manly tear. <laughs> I can yeah, feel totally. it. You know, it does. It's actually again. That's that's the beauty of the writing. But the highlight for me is absolutely 
Dorothy meeting Ulrika again outside Raffles. <laughs> yeah. Just the, the unbridled joy in their acting that, oh, yes. honestly, like Ulrika's almost manic the way she laughs when she sees Dorothy. It's like, oh my God, I love this person more than anything else in the world. I don't believe it. What? He can't be! Must have been again intercepted. What are you doing driving a lorry for Pete's sake? <laughs> <laughs> you made it after all! Oh, you surely did not think I was going to miss our reunion. It's just a beautiful thing. And it does mirror, of course, that bit where she runs out yes. in, in the episode we watched for the last um, yeah, yeah. Ep- edition. You know, and uh... it being Jill writing, that is deliberate. That's no good coincidence. Mm. No, no. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. she chose to mirror a lot of things, so she deliberately put some things in that would make you think. Because she was a very aware. This is Tenko, but we're not in the camp, and I think she was always, mm. as a writer, very aware of that. So when she wrote this, she deliberately mm. put some things in that would make you think of being in the camp. So mm. Marion and Beatrice talking at night um, mm. with the sound of the tropics outside, the sing song that they have at the plantation which was very much mm. like the sing songs they had in camp even they even mm. sing um who's taking you home tonight which they sing in the third mm. series in the camp the one thing that really surprised me this time and i'd never really picked up on before is when they're at raffles and they have the reunion dinner they're all sitting around eating rice from bowls <laughs> and i was kind of thinking would they refuse rice because of the memories and also that rice was quite unfamiliar in the in the two the British, but it wouldn't be to them because mm. they'd been interned. But it was just interesting that they had a, a Chinese sort of rice-based meal, particularly mm. when I thought at Raffles they would probably have more Western dishes. I don't know whether I'm wrong about okay. that, though. Maybe I'm mm. wrong. No, I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> no, I just, I'm just, I was just, it just struck me that they were eating rice. But, um, but I, I must yeah. tell you another little story about one of the times okay. I was out in Singapore. Sorry, I'm going to annoy everyone by being in Singapore a lot. But um, when I was researching for the book, we went to Singapore on way to on the way to New Zealand to stay with Alex, actually. And we we got a taxi to drive us out to the black and white bungalows. So there's a, that's okay. what they're called. And there's about eight of them, not many, many more than that. And they are kind of the last sort of preserved area of the sort of colonial Singapore because everything else is gone we got this taxi the taxi driver was like what you know you know what, don't you just want to go shopping I'll take you shopping and he was really wanting mm. to take us shopping and we're like no we want to go to these old bungalows and they were like really and what happened was it was really similar to what happened with Marion is that we got dropped off at the bungalows mm. and we had a bit of a look around and then we were like shit we need to get a taxi back and we we're like yeah. It was really hard to get back from that point, so I think we had to have a bit of a walk like Marion, and it was kind of like. But it, we we did find the right one. That was my. I was determined to find the right one, which is Five York Road. Um, so we actually found the Jefferson's residence, but they are still okay. there. They still look amazing. <laughs> yes. Anyway, and the, you can now do the Tenko tour. And... <laughs> one of your party has already checked in, um, Mrs. Foster Brown. Hello. Welcome back, my dear. Beatrice Goldwyn. Dominica. What a long time it has been. <laughs> Just heard her find herself a double barrel. 
I'd forgotten she'd remarried. Who's the unlucky fella be? Manages a rubber plantation in Johor. What happened to old Van Mayer? Died very soon after she joined him in 45. Shock of seeing her again. Beatrice, how are you, my dear? Hello, Maggie. Surely this cannot be Dorothy. Yes, it can. How you have changed. Quite the young lady. You haven't. Except you're faster. I should hope so. When we all came out of the camp, we were skeletons. Besides, my husband likes a woman to be a woman. Now, let's talk about Mrs Foster Brown. What a glorious entrance <laughs> at Raffles. <laughs> Tears, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's this whole thing of my, my dear friends. So you think, yeah, yes. We're all going, oh, Van Mayer. Oh, but they do love her, perhaps deep down. Yes. You know, but honestly, she's she was a cow to be with in the camps. <laughs> yes. Every woman needs a man. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, oh, that's progressive. I bet that, I bet that, that spat out of the typewriter. <laughs> yes, I really... Yeah, that was definitely Jill being like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Although, as I was told recently, uh, you know, you have to you have to put the, the best arguments in the people you like least. It's, 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 it's a writing thing. Oh, yes, that's good. I like that. You have Kate as well, who... Mm. I, I do think it's really interesting, because Kate, with Kate, you go up and down with her career... Mm. aspirations because there's the point at which she decides she doesn't want to be a nurse at the start of series two and she mm. makes B hide it from Trier and mm. and then later she's running the mm. sick bay when it comes to the start of series three because B can't mm. do it anymore mm. but then by the time she later in Singapore mm. she's like oh I don't think I want to be a doctor anymore and then she does go back to train and now she finds it mm. deadly mm. and so it's really kind of up and down it's it's quite interesting i think that you know it's mm. there's never a straight road with some things mm. and i quite like that and she also gets chatted up at the graveside <laughs> she does and i love i love that scene with dominica when she's like you know when um she's commenting on the fact about her laughing at the graveside and, and dorothy says christ sake what do you want her to do cut her throat come on dominica <laughs> Yeah, is that uh, is that Christian Rodska? Christian Rodska, yeah, from Follyfoot mm. is I think the thing I know him mm. from the best. But um, mm. yes, yes. who's who, who's mourning his his wife? And yeah, at, and at the same time, so. this and, is, I don't know. Are gravestones <laughs> graveyards places where people go to meet women? <laughs> I don't think so. No, um, no, I don't think so either. But <laughs> it's just it's just it's just just in, an interesting sort of. Uh, boy, that plot line develops. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, uh, not the most promising of first dates. I, don't yeah. I mean, I think for Claire, she was so happy that Kate mm. had a storyline that that completed, but also that was not about bloody Tom, Tom, Tom. She got fed up of talking about Tom in the series. She really mm. did, yeah. and to actually have a new relationship and to have a, yeah. an arc that was actually going to go somewhere was was good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Are you still at the Alexander? Uh huh. Yes, I. Oh, I've thought of going home, but... It gets to you, doesn't it? It's part of the world. I think there's an interesting thread running through the stuff at the centre, mm. uh, which, which, is, which uh, you know, I, I generally... I, and I might even think now, because this is, what, 35 years old today? Yeah. Today, yeah. Uh, is that actually uh, the way that the this still... This idea in the early 50s of the British Empire and... and putting things to rights and educating people in the way of of the Brit the British way of life and mm. what have you. The sort of the 
you, you sort of contrast Japanese imperialism with this British Empire thing. Mm. And in many ways, they're both unpleasant things. Yeah. But I just wonder whether our attitude to, shall we say, the British Empire indoctrination in this episode has changed in the intervening 35 years. Does it feel more ooh, now? to watch the way it plays yeah, out than I, it would have done at the time. I was worried about it. <laughs> and Were you worried about it 35 years ago? No, not at all. No. But then at 13, you're much more like goodies no, versus no. baddies. And well, were you, you worried you about it when you wrote the book? 10 years ago, 12 No, it, weirdly I wasn't. And I think, right. I think even in that short time, I, mm. I read my review again. And mm. what was missing from my review in the book was a discussion about are there enough good Chinese characters in Tenka Reunion? Answer, no. Mm. No, mm. not, there aren't, I would say. And therefore, it's mm. a product of its time. Mm. Um, I would like to have seen more development of Ah Chan, um, Domin mm. Dominica's um, maid. And you've got Su mm. Min Fraser, who's a really lovely, wonderful Chinese woman, but she's dead, mm. you know, Duncan's, mm. uh, Duncan's wife. And yes. I just think it's, it's a shame that it's all so black and white in terms of the Chinese and mm. communists. Obviously, you've got fanaticism, and fanaticism yes. is always bad. And Christine has mm. been completely radicalised in yes. a terrible way that she'll have anyone killed. Mm. And that's that's bad. But it would have been nice mm. to have perhaps some char a character in the cent at the centre who was still good and, you mm. know, it was... It was but it was a bit problematic. I felt we 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 don't get as much of. I mean, the thing is that we, we don't get as a sympathetic a point of view of of the the other side of the argument. Yeah, really. Yeah, and, exactly. And that's and, and the fact that you are basically teaching you know Chinese children in the school, but you you know and and even even to a certain extent, I know again for the purposes of the plot, it makes sense. But the fact that you've got the our founder picture it, it just now it always looks a bit weird but then it was just that's the way we did things exactly you know, we... first come and see the schoolroom and christine come on. Yes. india which as you all know has now been granted excuse me christina hello children look hello. at our visitors hello 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 oh, it's all right children you may remain seated get on with your reading while i talk to my friends watch it Hello. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Well, we can talk properly at the party. Yeah. Just wanted to say hello. Have a look at the schoolroom. Well, how do you like it? It's a lovely big room. And how fitting to call it after Joss. Oh. Is that was Christina's idea? Well, it may be called the Monica Radcliffe Foundation, but we all think of it as Joss's. Quiet, please, children. Christina teaches the children during the day, and then Lao Peng holds evening classes for the adults. There's still so much illiteracy. The whole education system is a complete shambles. Especially for the Chinese. Uh, the other thing I briefly wanted to touch on uh, before we move up country, yes, is the party, the the where they all get dressed up, yeah, uh, and and you get this sense of lost worlds and people sort of poshing up, but uh, but this this just before all here has this this blazing row, <laughs> and is there's that moment where where um where Dorothy just goes, oh that went well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think she's. Although the... that's the kind of thing back at the old raffles in the series, she'd have been absolutely doing cartwheels over that. Yay. Yeah. Well, she's all that, all that, all that sort of um, 
not dignity what's the word i'm looking for but all that respectability yeah has just sort of fallen apart because they've all had a blazing row over their lovely reunion dinner that they've all come all this way for well dorothy is the most realistic in mm. the sense of you know oh, well we don't all get on brilliantly and we're not all mm. going to agree of, of everything so she's just kind of watching and observing realizing mm. that this is really dangerous territory but mm. um everyone else is kind of more idealistic about mm. the fact that oh we'll all get mm. on it reminds me of, it reminds me of my sister and my mother who i think are always more positive about christmas and i'm always more oh, waiting right. for it to blow up <laughs> yes <laughs> so yeah. anyway yeah and there's all there's also this again it's funny cuz I, I don't think it would be touched on now but the 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 trade in ivory is 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 quite sort of signposted as yeah. well you know it's, yeah. and again i suspect that would be sort of brushed aside now very carefully we yeah. were, were not in favor of the ivory trade you know of course yeah 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 but of course again this is the 50s you know my my, my grandparents had ivory carved things on their mantelpiece you know mm. it wasn't it wasn't um well it, it wasn't interpreted the way it is now so yeah yeah yes so shall we go up country up to, to Mimica's place? Yes. because we meet the lovely Robert Lang. We do. But before we get to Robert Lang, can I talk about the okay. house that they use? So okay. the house is called Matilda House, and it was owned right. by the Cashin family, who were a family okay. that got rich on the opium trade before it was legal. <laughs> uh, that's why they had that land. It's a bit like the ivory trade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had that land in the northeast of Singapore in an area called Pungol, um, double mm. G. And Pungal beautifully means throwing sticks at a tree so that fruit will fall down. <laughs> Which I thought was a lovely little little aside. But um, this house was in the middle of this gorgeous grounds, as you see in the series. And it was in the middle of nowhere. But now Singapore has become so populous that gradually it's become encroached upon. And ultimately it was... It was left abandoned, and for a long time there was a lot of talk about it being haunted just because it was an mm. abandoned house in the middle of nowhere. But mm. now it is completely surrounded by an apartment complex, literally like a few metres away, all the way around, okay. by giant towers. And it's now a clubhouse for an apartment complex. Um, mm -hmm. And I went on the metro, Singapore metro, to Pungol, not to shop again, but to go and see if I could find the house. And I did, and I got to the apartment complex, and they would not let me in. And <laughs> so I ended up walking around by the side of a children's playground, and I was looking for the house, knowing it was it was through this wire fence and mm. in this beautifully kept like apartment area with all these gardens and stuff. And I looked through the wire and there it was. I could see the steps leading into the house and I could just see through the grass. And I realised where I was stood 
was exactly where the Tenko lineup was, where they were all stood, where they... <laughs> I just realised I was actually standing there and I had a bit of a shiver. But um, I didn't stay long. You I could took... get your telephoto through the yeah, wire. Yes, I nice did. I took a few photos through, um, the, um, through the wire and then I suddenly realised, oh shit, they were really hot on security. I shouldn't stay here. I look really dodgy taking photos through the wire. So I remember on my train journey home... In your hoodie. On my train journey home from Pungol, I was really worried about suddenly being accosted by police for having been dodgy up at, up at Pungol. I thought you were going to say some lovely old lady sort of said, oh, don't come in. No, around. not that story at all. Oh, uh, well, never mind. But I did go... Not all stories end the way you... Have. No, no. <laughs> so I really did regret that, that I didn't right. get to see more. Anyway, yes. But it's a gorgeous location, isn't it? It is, yeah. No, it's... Uh, and, and fascinating, again, that because uh, what it says about uh, this whole sense of people living out in the Far East... You know their entire lives, really, mm. uh, and in many ways, there's there's also parallels with what happened in in Africa, in places like uh, Zimbabwe. You know, mm. it's uh, these kind of um, sort of sort of white rich men, yeah, <laughs> sort of who basically ran plantations, which were not slave plantations anymore, but hey, by any other name, yeah, exactly. And um, it it is fascinating that yeah. uh, there was this this sort of privileged elite running these businesses these farms these uh these um it, in, industries really and uh, and of course g- going out like the great white hunter with the hats on and the rifles oh yeah, i know because yeah. they, All they the didn't feel safe yeah uh, and of course there's a lot of security security getting into that which yeah. again there is a moment where someone says oh does that look familiar and um, yes maggie does yeah because it was basically a great big prison camp for want of a better word to keep um the um terrorist yeah exactly yeah so let's talk about teddy uh robert lang i do like robert lang he's uh, great he's, he's one of those one of those actors um i mean you might you might think he was always very similar I mean, he uh, he turned up in 1990 yeah playing he was he was always very up, came across these very uptight characters uh, and of course he's always that chap that i go oh yes he's the chap from the brack report okay and for years, him and Donald Sumpton, and like nobody remembered the Brack Report at all. Uh-huh. And I used to go, oh, I bought the Brack Report. I used to watch the Brack Report, and these two are the guys who were in it. And people used to go, the what? <laughs> but of course, it has been repeated on uh, TPTV recently. So, ah, has it? Yeah. Um, people, people are now more familiar with the Brack Report. So, so, but, but, it, what, it, what he was, he was just kind of think, I, I, he'd turn up like, oh, it could shiny, shiny dome overhead, married to Anne Bell. Yes. And uh, beautifully affable, and of course, absolutely, absolutely perfect casting for that sequence where they sing the bits from uh, HMS Pinafore. Oh, I know, perfect. Because he just looks perfect. He does absolutely. You he looks look- like that's what he was born to do. Yeah, exactly. Stand, that was the stand role. around singing. I am the very model of a yeah. modern major general. Totally, it works so well. Yeah. And he's also perfect. I do believe him and Dominica, though. I mean, I know he has oh, yes. Anne Bell's his wife, but he does work with Dominica really well. I buy, I buy that relationship. Is is the perfect British stoic, yeah. for want of a better word. Yeah. And uh, I think he plays it perfectly. Yeah. He's very much the... Uh, and he's a nice bloke. And the thing that gets me about it, uh, because obviously what unfolds is he goes off up country, uh, going around the farms or yeah. whatever it is, 
he does with his rifles and his security guards. And then the raid happens and all the the, the um, unfortunate unpleasantnesses that you know result from the uh, the farm being attacked mm. or infiltrated or whatever you want to call it. And you don't actually know about his fate until you see him sitting at the Christmas table. No, exactly. You really, yeah. you don't know whether he's been gone off and those yeah. two blokes in the car with him have hacked him or whatever. You literally don't know. And it's too sweet a relationship, his relationship with uh, Dominica, yeah. for, you, for, for something horrible to happen to him. And yet, obviously, in these circumstances, horrible things happen to people, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was quite relieved when he turned up at, at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was based on a real person called Ted Russell, who Jill okay. Hyam befriended Teddy Russell, um, mm. and he'd been a plantation owner in 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 the area. So she mm. did lots of being Jill. She researches everything to the nth degree, and right. so she got to know him and she to understand what the mindset would be. Um, what I think I love most about it is how he recognises that it's wrong that they're there and that he, they mm. should go back and they should give the country mm. back to the people. Mm. So there is a good message there. I mean, yes, a great wrong was done mm. by mm. by colonialism, but at this point they realise, yeah, they should get out, but it's so difficult mm. for them to leave everything they know, mm. but yeah, absolutely, they shouldn't be there anymore. I, th I think there is, there is a certainly, and, and it's very convincing, and of course, you know, sometimes you just get carried along with the drama. I mean, I know we're trying to be analytical and yeah. everything like that, but actually you do genuinely get the sense in his performance of someone who's spent a life in a place oh, totally. and, and calls it home and is reluctant to give it up. Yeah. I can guess what you're thinking. Why don't I pack it in and take it back now? I ask myself the same question. When you've spent most of your life in a place and come to love the people, build up the plantation from nothing, you don't relish handing it over to a load of murdering commies. It can't be an easy decision. Then there's a question of morale. It doesn't do for us Brits to be seen deserting the post. One thing is, we'll have to get out in the end. Sooner or later, independence will come. We'll be replaced with Milan. Again, that's only right and proper. Yes. And of course, it's an interesting contrast with Stephen, mm. in this, who, who is a, who is, of course, uh, Joss's former sparring partner at yeah. the centre who is obviously um, also a lifelong Singapore resident, really, or has certainly lived out in the Far East a long time. Yes. And people sort of think, oh, he, he's not likely to change, he's not going to want to change, you know. And, um, of course, his, his, back, well, his sort of background story is he's actually dying. Yes. Uh, although, and again, he makes it to Christmas dinner as well. So he does. Two for two. It's yeah. <laughs> pretty um, good for Tenko. <laughs> well, yes. Um, you know, and and again, but he actually 
chooses to return because he'd rather die on the NHS. <laughs> yes, he actually says that, so doesn't I he? Put my, I put my fist in the air then. I yes. don't often do that, but uh, all praise the NHS. Yes, exactly. <laughs> While we're talking about Mess with it at your peril, you bastards. While we're Sorry. talking about the NHS in Britain, there was that scene hmm. between Jake and Dorothy. I want to talk a bit more about Jake and Dorothy in a bit. but Okay. But the bit where Jake, very rightly, is nervous about the prospect of going to Britain because he's half Indian. Hmm. And he's like, I don't know whether I'll be accepted. And mm. Dorothy says this very um, optimistic thing. Oh, Britain's changing now. We're in the 50s. And I'm thinking, why, my that's God. Why, that's why people want to go back there, because it was so understanding about <laughs> homosexuality and, and, and race and, and, and women's roles in society. Mm-hmm. Let's know. have more of that, please. And I just thought, wow. Along with the rationing. It's just, it's just like, I think that was a really optimistic piece of writing. And maybe it was the optimism about the post-war period, so it was authentic as well. I think there's an optimism of the 80s as well, yes, actually. Yes, I think so. We, we got better. Yes. And, uh, and maybe we got worse again. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, I was thinking, don't go to Britain, Jake. Don't go to Britain. Um, 60 years, mate, it'll all go to shit. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's just, it was just awful. I just, I, I, I just whenever I hear Britain, though, I, I just the word Britain, I actually crumple a little. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, we 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 have to, we have to sort of travel hopefully. Yes. unfortunately. Back to so. back to Teddy for a minute. I do think mm. one of the most beautiful scenes, beautifully acted, of the whole mm. thing is is mostly Robert Lang and Anne Bell together when they're talking about. It's a gorgeous scene, oh. and of course, I know, I know they are married. But, yes, uh, you, you you imagine they rehearsed that at home a long time. Yes, because it was played gorgeously. Yeah. I've got it written down here. I just scene exclamation mark. I'm sorry to drag you away from the fun, madam. That's all right. Only I would like a word with you. In confidence. It's to do with Dodo. Her future. Should some bandit take a pot shot at me, it's always on the cards when I'm travelling out station. Had a few near misses already. Thing is, she doesn't have anyone apart from me. No people of her own. She doesn't know my cousins in England. I hardly know them myself. I'd feel so much easier if I knew that in the event she had someone to turn to. Yes, of course. I know how highly she regards you. I'd do anything I could. Yeah, I mean, they both knew what they were going to do. I remember interviewing Anne about it, and she's like, "Well, it was so easy because I knew what he would do, and she, he knew what I would do." Mm. Um, mm. The only sad thing about it for me now is I kind of wished I hadn't seen all those apartment blocks all the way around the house <laughs> because mm. that view that they have is so beautiful. Mm. But that that sort of underlines to me now that time is over because and with just population density of Singapore, they had mm. to have the land for the population that is mm. there now. And it's just, mm. it's the colony has, is, is gone. It's no more. And it's, mm. it's, that's right in a way, mm. in a huge way. But um, was it, was it actually set where it was filmed? Cause I got the impression it was supposed to be further. Yes. It was meant to be at Johor Bahru, yeah. but um, yeah. the, what they did was they actually filmed. They did go all the way up to Johor for the filming of the car journey. And right. to the gates of the plantation, that was all filmed up there. But gotcha. they came back to Singapore Island for the house. Yeah, so it's a better location. Yes. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. 
because all of the cast lost their passports. All the passports were taken off them. There was fears that they would never get them back again. And yes, it was. It got very or, or messy. When they got them back, they'd be a different colour. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie Cole wrote a letter home to her husband saying, well, they've now taken all of our passports, so we may have to live in Singapore forever. <laughs> oh dear, how sad. Yeah. Mind. Yeah. yeah. There's a beautiful sort of thread running through this about sort of being... Because, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's set up... Um, her eyesight is gone, hasn't it? Yeah, you know, but uh, but you actually um, those that was that was sort of running through the series. So she, but you know, five years later, she's not completely blind and is functioning. And actually, the interesting thing I find about this is it's a very, uh, very positive. In the end, her, yeah. her, she becomes very about, about this whole thing about going back to Britain and talking about tropical medicine and all that kind of thing, finding finding a role. Yeah. finding something you can do. It may have taken five years. Um, but the interesting thing about this is we get, when the raid happens, I mean, because there was always the piano playing, wasn't there? So yeah. she actually ends up hiding under the piano. Yes. And our dear Beak, it becomes within a whisker of being macheted to death by the horrible invading yeah. communists. And, um, and of course, but of course, a servant is killed, and we don't really care about that. Mm. Um, again, that's kind of one of the things of being being on the credits, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> being one of the leads in a series, you know, you're invulnerable. Which yeah. is uh, which is hasn't always been no, the case in Tenko, has it? But I guess they decided. No, no, indeed. That indeed. for this, it's Christmas. Let's not do a Blake Seven. <laughs> <laughs> not well, well. We'll wait till Boxing Day. Oh, hold on. No, no, no. no it's. Um, but I just, I just think. I mean, it's, it's, it's. Uh, it, because in the end. Uh, there's the bit where she loses her glasses and does a whole Velma. You know? Yes, <laughs> my glasses, my yeah. glasses. There's, there's, um, there's one thing about B that I always find quite disappointing about Tenko, and mm. I think I've come to this more latterly, and that mm. is something that's definitely hinted at quite strongly, but is never explored, and that is mm. her sexuality. Mm. So she clearly has a thing for Nelly. It's, that mm. goes deeper than just affection, thinking, oh, she's a yes. better nurse and all that stuff. She yes. thinks she's a better nurse. It is touched Kate. upon, isn't it? Yes, that she yeah. really did have a massive... A bit of a crush. Yeah, a crush on her, definitely. Mm. And yet, and in series three, you have, you know, are asking about Nelly and you discover she's dead mm. for definite and all that. Mm. But I just mm. think, you know, sexuality doesn't go away. So mm. it's a kind of a shame that she, there's no avenue of exploration um for mm. b in reunion in that sense mm. and i mm. think yeah well maybe that's accurate for the time um mm. but i just think and there's a lot to fit into an hour and 50 minutes for god's sake mm. it would have been another plot thread but i just mm. think that would have been another part of her being unfulfilled mm. you know what i mean mm. what's interesting about it of course is that marion offers her to live in her house yeah you see. yeah yeah so and that 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 setup would have been presumably meant to be set up as as a companion thing rather than anything else. Yeah, Although but that I kind of know. doesn't. Maybe Marion's hitting on her, and we just we never <laughs> saw all that stuff in in, in the program. You know? No, I don't think so. But but I mean, this is about financial straits and how people did have to live with each other, yeah. etc. Yeah, exactly. I get mm. your point. But mm. the the thing is that it, it, yeah, it's just it's just a shame that. I don't. I, I won't like say to I think that Marion and B living together happy ever after and arguing about Yamauchi might be a nice. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't. An odd, an odd couple moment. They could have made a series. I just that. don't think there's enough homosexuality in Tenko. There, I've said it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Oh, fair enough.
<laughs> well, again, I suppose I, it was it, in the fifties. It was more of a you know don't tell taboo. Yes, don't tell. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it wouldn't have been. I mean, people used to talk about schoolgirl crushes and what have you when they were in uh, private school or whatever. Yeah. But, but it it wasn't generally. Well, you have the Nelly, again, you have the Nelly and Sally storyline in series one, mm. but it's it's quite oblique. Um, yeah. You know, Jill wasn't allowed to use the word lesbian in the script. Yeah. <laughs> but um, even in 1981. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah amazing, exactly. Isn't it? isn't it? How far we've come in some ways. Mm. So, um, yeah. So we've got this theme running through the whole thing that we that it's really strong, but it's not like hitting you over the head with it, which is independence. Mm. So mm. you've got the independence of the individual characters, um, particularly like Dorothy with her financial independence mm. and her independence of mind. You've got Ulrika who like doesn't want a guard for the lorry. She no. wants to just do her own thing and the sin of self. You've got yeah. B battling on with the centre despite the fact that, yeah. you know, failing eyesight and mm. awareness. And then you've got the communists and the independence of mm. Singapore. So it's a really mm. wonderfully strong theme and there's, a, there's mm. a lovely discussion of independence between B and Ulrika mm. that I'll play in now. Whatever happens, I do not intend to sit round reading Penny Dreadfuls in Braille. Really? You surprise me. You're laughing at me as usual. <laughs> there was a time when I would not have dared. There was a time you wouldn't have known how to. I remember you at the beginning. You were like a ramrod. You to start your habit with rice water. Oh, and what about you? Running your sick bay like an army manoeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> you will keep in touch with me. We don't do another vanishing act. If someone had said to me ten years ago that my closest friend would be a Dutch nun, I'd have thought they were off their rocker. Huh? Oh, I hope so. We may not share the same beliefs, but we are both alike. Both dedicated to our work, both stubborn. Both wanting too much to be independent. Oh, Beatrice. If I had not refused to have a guard with me, I might not have put all your lives in danger and caused the death of those poor servants. You mustn't blame yourself. Yes, I must. It is my old sin of pride. The Holy Father speaks to me and I do not listen to him. Well, at least I don't have him breathing down my neck. Now you are laughing at me. The truth is, None of us can ever be entirely independent. No, but we can have a damn good try. I, I do, I do like, I do like Ulrika. Yeah, I think Ulrika in this particularly, mm. uh, in in this in this story. I mean, she could be a bit of a prig in the series, but she's actually lovable old mad nun now. Yes. And the way she's and, driving around and her laughter, oh, singing and songs, and, so joyful. And, just, and of course, the the incredible. In some ways, naivety of the trusting soul. I mean, this is why what happens happens. Yes, is because she stops at this fake um, checkpoint, a uh, police stop. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, I mean, I don't suppose it would have played out any differently in many ways, apart from you know, um, uh, the guard would probably have been killed as well if she'd had one with him. With her, yeah. But um, but generally speaking, the, the the naivety of the fact that was I know, is it like a dozen burly soldiers can get in the back of the van? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And off she and off she toddles with them all, and sort of does the whole um, Trojan horse thing into the uh, into the uh, plantation. Yeah. 
So, I mean, in some ways, it's all her fault, but she does pay a terrible... We thought she would... She thought we thought she was a goner. We did, in terms of the plot, you know. And, of course, her being shot is the, is the wonderful setup of of the line that she has when Beatrice is looming over and she, she says... Beatrice, and I am not yet in heaven. Wonderful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so like i say this is this is where you get to the point where this is tenko reunion is actually a very witty funny piece it's not it's not carry on tenko but there's a lot of wit in the yeah. script some of my favorite bits are actually dorothy's hey so they finally caught up with you god hollywood <laughs> new york stuff yeah Oh yes, yes. Uh, well, they, there's quite a lot. Of, there's references, aren't there, to as the third yes. one because of uh, of Jake and his dodgy deals and what yeah. happened. Harry bloody lime. Yeah. I mean, of course, because because I suppose the Harry lime. I mean, it would have been a current film, which is. Well, they go to see it. I think don't Jake or, and Dorothy or, go or to see it at the cinema yes. during it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the whole raid happens. Horrible things happen. They're lined up. Um, there is this thing. Orca gets shot. She's not killed. Uh, and basically, they are told not to kill the women. Yeah. Um, by mm. Christine, who's uh, who um, is very devi- defiant. But there's this whole. Th- there are lots of threats made, and you really do. You are worrying that this reunion. This is this is going to be the Blake Seven bloodbath. <laughs> you know, there is this this real genuine genuine sense that that's what's going to happen. Um, and there is this because uh, they are held at gunpoint. Like I say you've got bees scrambling around on the floor. You've got the, the people being and killed. With Alice comes together. very close to getting it. Um, she does, and I think it's really important to, to talk about the fact that this isn't just put in there to remind you of the Tenko lineup. It actually has narrative mm. value. The se- well, you get the whole this country ours. You lucky we yeah. not kill. But what what I was referring okay. to there was Alice in the sense that you know this is her release from being bound yes. up emotionally because yes. of her experiences. Well, very much uh, post-traumatic yeah. stress uh, in her life, uh, you yeah. could argue. I mean, she's been very sort of uptight for five yeah. years. And, and not know, feeling anything, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, she says there is a speech, isn't there, where she goes for a walk with... Um, is it Maggie. You know, again, that's, that's uh, again, quite, quite sort of forward-thinking for a 1980s yeah. Uh, yeah. drama, yeah. to be honest. Uh, to, to take that on board, yeah. you know. Uh, but then we go uh, back to the school, and of course, the um, the picture of Joss is what's is where the uh, the evidence is hidden. Yeah. Uh, what am I? What what's the what is what is it that's actually in the picture? No idea. I should know. I don't. Is it just? Is it just sort of ID, fake ID? Uh, I think it's just passports and stuff. I think it's yeah. just a dramatic device, isn't it? Really. Yeah. I think it's it's yeah. slightly corny. Because the picture gets smashed yeah. and it's oh that's a terrible terrible thing but oh look there yeah. there's the um, there's, there's the, the stuff, there's the stuff yeah. we need yeah 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 and I I my thing is that um, also at this time uh, Dot goes to visit Ulrika in hospital yes and, and the one thing I wrote down was Ulrika's smile lights up the room <laughs> yes well it's because Dorothy's there yeah absolutely but it it's absolutely glorious yeah considering it is, you know, it is. yeah. And I, something that I I thought about with Ulrika again is um, how she just completely embodies that character. You don't think she's a British mm. actress. 
you do think she's no. an old Dutch nun, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. But again, uh, it's funny. I talk quite a lot um, with 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 people about there are certain parts, certain television roles where you can't see the actor. I always think that uh, I, I talk about it on on various things mm. about um, um, Ronnie Barker as Fletch. Yeah, in Porridge, I can't see Ronnie Barker when I watch Porridge. I, you know, the Ronnie Barker of Saturday night. Yeah, he's very different, isn't it? It shows what a good actor he is. I can't, I I can't, I can only see Fletch. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent, Sister Ulrika is the same. Yeah. Because I've seen her in other parts and things like Vanderbilt and what have you. And yet, it's always Sister Ulrika in in Tenko. There's no action. And again, you know, like I say, uh, you know, English, British actress, British actress, you know, with, with, with the slight hint of accent. Yeah. But, it's she. I was like you say. I, I saw her in something else, and I was convinced she was a Dutch nun. And maybe, maybe the part in Van der Velt was what got her the part. I don't know, but it's 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 really bizarre, you know. Yeah. There are some people. I mean, you know, I, you know, I can I can see Louise Jameson. I go, yeah, but I I'll always see Leela. Yeah. You know, but I I can tell I, I can see the acting. If you yes. Like, if that's if that's not too insulting. No. It's just it's just that I can sense that they're too. But for me. You know, and again, it must be terrible for somebody if you get that typecast. But Ulrika is just Ulrika; she's not an act actor playing Ulrika. Yeah, exactly. You know? And even to a certain extent, I get that with Stephanie Cole playing Beard. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I've seen Anne Bell in other things, and yeah. you know, I, I understand that. But but uh, Stephanie Cole, it's always been very difficult for me to, uh, when she's in the sitcom or when she's on the radio. And still not really think. Well, oh, it's just B. Yeah. She just calls herself Stephanie Cole, but I know it's B. Really. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. It's just that's what she did after she came back to Britain. She became an actress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's, a ter- it's, a ter- it's a terrible indictment on typecasting and the way we think of people. But yeah. Um, yeah. But but there are the there is again it, maybe it's just the fact that sometimes the character itself that you see on on television ingrains itself so much in you mm-hmm. that that actually you can't separate the two and you don't want to either well possibly yes yeah that, that might be true maybe I mean, it's just again, total, it's like total belief in in what's giving away a little bit of your past by saying you're allowing them to have a life beyond yes. it. it's, like, it's like it's like it's like knowing that your school teachers actually you know go to the pub or, and have or, first names or, <laughs> or, or, or or wives and children yeah, or whatever exactly. you know some somehow though they, they should only exist in school and when 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 you go home for the end of the day you sh- you lock them in a cupboard until tomorrow yes you know, yeah yeah you know, but hey, I, I, don't know. I want to talk about um, the scene in which Marion visits Christina. Yeah, but, oh, the 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 Amayuchi parallel. Yes, it. absolutely, it totally is, and mm. we know it is. Mm. But um, there's so much in that that I just think I should say here that Emily Bolton, I think, is brilliant throughout Reunion. I think she, I oh yes, I think no, absolutely. of the actors in it, I think she's probably starts out the most uneven in Tenko. I, I think mm. it's a hard role to play. Because um, she's meant to start out like a mouse, but she's mm. definitely at her best when she's showing her fanatical sort of toughness. I mean, it's subtle, isn't it? Yeah. It's a subtle development, and and it's interesting because I mean, some of it's just done with the outfits. Yeah, you know, you know, there's they know there's something's changed. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah. But uh, a lot of the seeds of this were really right from the early episodes of Tenko. You could see the 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 resentment of the place in society and and the growing. Mm-hmm sort of sense of unease with this sort of white I hesitate to say white supremacist yeah. but white 
white um, superiority idea yeah. of Singapore. But I think if you like. I think it was possible to to hark back to some of the events in the camp a bit more. I mean, obviously, I'm a Doctor Who fan as well, so continuity is king. But um, I, I did okay. feel that maybe she should have said, "Well, back in the camp when Rose was killed, you all thought it was my fault." <laughs> You know, and actually... Back to Yama... Was it? Back to Yamayuchi's tower we go. We go above, <laughs> beneath, below. Maybe not singing a song in the death zone, no. No, no but, but do you know no, what I no, mean? No. It, it's like cut that. there were some specific things that could have been said that she could have levelled back at Marion saying, well, remember when this happened, you know. Mm. But it was. But what instead she says is, well, life in the camps wasn't real, which I thought was mm. interesting because... Mm. Surely she learnt from the camps that things are uneven and that there's still a class mm. system in the camp and she's still at the bottom mm. of the pile. I think she mm. would have learnt that from the camp. So I thought that was mm. slightly odd I think dialogue. It's, it, it's, it's a, it's a, the idea was that, the, the, I suppose, that the camps were a great leveller. Everybody was the I same, see, really. Yes. So that was the but, message, uh, yeah. But when you got home, all the old prejudices and what have you Flowed back. came back. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's yeah. I suppose you know yes we were we were all equal in the camp but hey the minute you got back you went back to your big house and your yeah you know servants and yeah. all this kind of thing. And... I suppose you pulled strings. Always so easy for you British. It wasn't in the camp. Real life isn't like the camp. There's no equality outside. Not under your system. I can understand you're resenting the British. But couldn't you have waited? Waited? For what? Oh, independence. It's going to come anyway. Oh, yes. On British terms. And the Chinese will still be third-class citizens. All that rubbish they talked at the centre about democracy. It's all woolly idealism. I mean, in many ways, in, 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 the the closest parallel would be with Maggie's um, situation. Oddly, you know, yeah, the 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 the, the, impo the poor are always with us, as as they say. Yeah, and um, and actually, that that kind of leveling, if you like, leveling off. I suppose even a character like Christine wouldn't be aware of, or Christina sorry, wouldn't be aware of Maggie actually, because she's there. She's been sort of dressed and and she's spending her friend's money she's there you know at the behest of her friend yeah but actually her own situation back home is probably up, up in, in 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 sort of grimmer parts of the east end or wherever it is that she is yeah it's uh the though i think at the at the bottom of society you find there are parallels mm -hmm. but at the top you do find that the the barriers quickly come down and yeah. I think that's kind of and that's kind of universal constant unfortunately mm. Um, one line that um, Christina has, which I have much more sympathy for now, is when she calls out mm. democracy as woolly idealism. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I I think I mean not wanting to get too political in this, we are supposed to be talking about telly when all said and done. But what I think about um, democracy is people have an interesting idea about they call their country free, their land of the free. Yeah in America, yeah. where basically they seem to think that putting an X in a box every five years counts. Yeah. And they don't sort of look at all the rest of it yeah. and say, do you, do you really think that that makes us any better than any of these nations we call not democracy? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because we're not, we're not engaging yes. with this whole notion of what democracy is. Mm -hmm. 
we just we just call it that because it, it looks better because because the, the appearances are that we get this free vote once every five years and then these bastards go off and do what the fuck they oh, sorry and then these <laughs> and these these folk go off and basically do what the hell they like not necessarily for the benefit of the people who voted for yeah. them and without ever really being sort of questioned on it yeah i mean the fascinating thing about the perfumo thing we watched was was the fact that back then he had to resign over the scandal mm -hmm. because he lied to the yeah. house and i sat there throughout the whole thing going well nowadays that not that wouldn't happen would it no it wouldn't you know and and we basically allowed our idea of democracy to basically mean these charlatans and you know self-serving yeah self yeah self-serving you know self-promoting idiots <laughs> yeah. to basically do what they like without ever being called into question yeah. and whenever you, they are called into question you are you are the person calling them into question is seen as the um is seen as the person who's in the wrong and how can that how can that really be democracy you look at what's happening in america right now yeah. really with with his with his his orange ship his tangerineness yeah. you know not refusing to concede give up yeah because because he just thinks he's better than you know what is you know palpably the will of the people and may still end up hanging on because this is just a bloody nightmare yeah. But, um, I mean, you you want it's it, it's was it benevolent dictatorship? I think is what we call it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you the another th other thing that made me think about it because having Sorry. been to Singapore Bounty. today, that you know mm. obviously she's saying Christina's saying that the independence isn't coming fast enough for her liking, and mm. you could you could say mm. yeah, I don't blame you, love. You know, considering the the population there, the percentage mm. that was British at that time in 1950 was so mm. small. It was time that they just got the hell out of there. I mean, mm. I think now I think Singapore is seventy-five percent Chinese and about mm. fifteen percent Malay, and then the rest is Indian mm. and then other. Mm. But um, we look from the Western world at Singapore today and describe mm. it in very negative terms. There are humanitarian mm. reasons for that because they, you know, homosexuality is still illegal there, which is horrendous. Mm. So that's all underground and everything. But um, mm. but in terms of how they've run since independence. It's been the same party in power, but it is, mm. it is ostensibly a democracy. But we're very negative about it. But mm. um, from the Western point of view, but it's a very successful country. But then there's a lot of bad mm. stuff going on. But it's just, it's just mm. interesting to think about the Singapore now and the Singapore then, and mm. and what have they gained? And obviously, it's mm. you know, it's not a communist country, but um, no. and I'm not communist by any means, but. No. I just worry about whether it seems so capitalist to me rather than socialist. Mm. But I don't. Well, I think know. that there's a middle ground that people don't really seem to embrace, yeah. and that's that's the that's the tragedy of it. That actually both both types, you know, capitalism and socialism, both have their upside, and and people don't seem very willing to embrace somewhere that actually has the best of both. Might not be the worst way of doing these yeah. things. And okay. she's right that independence shouldn't be on British terms. It absolutely shouldn't be. So, <laughs> yes. a... what do we think is her ultimate fate? I mean, in in fifties Britain, I mean, she's obviously she has allowed this thing, and someone was actually killed because of, uh, you yeah. know, the servant was actually killed because of yeah. what she did. Do I mean? Do we know what the sort of 
Um, I mean, would she have just languished in prison until independence or 20 years? Or Yeah, so we, independent, we... independence came in 65, so that's 15 years mm. later. But whether that would Christine have been released though by then, or would she? It depends whether it depends whether she it was believed that that Lao Peng was the ringleader when in fact she was. I love the fact that she's the ringleader. I think it's it's so perfect, and also that it's B that calls her out. I think yes, it sees through it. And and I also love that it does the Miss Marple bit. I also love that Dorothy's not at all surprised. She just says, "Oh, Christina." Yeah, (laughs) I think that's so Mm. good. But um. But then there's something about, you know, independent women there as well in Christina. The fact that she, mm. yes, she's been viewed as the as the second in command. But in fact, mm. no, she as a woman, she was capable of taking this on. Thank you very much. And mm. coming up with the whole plan. Mm. So, well, again, it's the everyday sexism of yes. assuming that she was yeah. she was just being taken along yeah. by these evil, evil men. Ooh. So there's, yeah. there's quite... There's quite a lot relating to feminism here, but it's never in your face, I think, with Tenko. I think it's, mm. you know, there's there's a message about um, Dorothy being groundbreaking in the sense that she she has that discussion with Kate about, you know, she, how she can't have a full-time relationship and a career, which is very strong mm. and good. But I, I don't mm. ever think it smacks you over the head with its feminism, Tenko. Mm. Well, again, I mean, the sort of 1950 setting, I mean, 25 years later, Jerry would be coming home from the office and Margot would be handing him a whiskey. Yeah. So, you know, the, the powerful independent businesswoman thing, you know, there were probably, it was probably a, quite, a quarter of a century before Dorothy would be going home and Jake would hand her a whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's the society, it would, have been a, it would have been unusual, but it's not that it didn't happen. I mean, we, we can look back at television and say, well, you know, we had the Verity Lamberts in the early 60s. Yeah. We had, and we have the, you know, the we Lavinia did, Warners in the 80s. <laughs> precisely. There were, there were these, you know, you know, there were these women who were groundbreaking yeah. and, were, and were managing to, to become powerful. And break through, yeah. What they did. But um, it was a lot tougher then. You know? Yeah. I, I did want to also say about um, the final... The final scene at Christmas. Well, this is it. It is Boxing Day. We should talk about Christmas. We should. Talk I think. About I feel Christmas. we should. We should merrily, merrily. The coda to Tenko and to Tenko reunion is back in Britain at Crimble Tide. <laughs> yes. Oh, so come all you happy, 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 happy. And we and we. So the theme for the day, and everybody's in a in a in a mince pie eating mood. So we must we, we must, must talk about it. Let's even. Hope it's it's snowing outside as people listen to this, and they're tucking into their turkey <laughs> turkey sandwich leftovers. But um, it is it is a very sort of British Christmas in the way that we don't really have except on television. But it is mm. it is nicely done and Christmas at Marion's. Yes, I mean, who wouldn't yes, want I mean, Christmas yeah, so at Marion's? Shots shots through the window with the snow <laughs> yeah. falling and the and the uh, was it the wreath on the door? Yeah. But as I said snow, earlier, it uh, is nice to finally gift them this Christmas that they talked about so much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and indeed we do find that both Stephen and um, and <laughs> and uh, Teddy are alive. Hurrah! But not only that, you <laughs> finally finally get to meet Ben. Blink mm. and you miss him, and also mm. um, Maggie's husband Jim is there. Yes, but you, you they're just played by extras, so you don't know who they are. But oh, right. they are there. I was say, do, you, do you know who played Ben? Oh, I do, but I would have to find out, and it's no, not it's important fine. enough. No, no, no. I just, I just wonder whether it's someone who turned turned out to be sort of you know, mm. 
lead in some vet series ten oh, years later or something. I, I, I did think the the playing in of the message of the king gave it that very nineteen fifty feel, but but it was it's the line again. What what struck me about that was because uh, having you know with the whole thing with the king's speech that's been on yeah. uh, the film since because I mean you I mean you can actually sort of pick up on the the sibilance and what have you. Yeah. But the interesting thing is. Of course, this 1950, there would have only, this king would have only done two more. Of course. Or this was either the last or the second yeah. to last message, uh, which is kind of yeah. touching in its own but you strangely have to... moving weather. Yeah, carry on. No, I found the whole scene strangely moving, and I'm not really, a, I don't tend to get sentimental about Christmas. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's a, it is a very moving scene, because and, and there is a... Uh, you did want to say something before. I just wanted to make make an observation, but uh, do do say what you were going to say. I was just going to say the message of the speech. I think it was very well found by Jill Hyam, and that because the words mm. of the speech are: "For if our world is to survive in any sense that makes survival worth worthwhile, it must learn mm. to love, not to hate; to create, not to destroy." Mm. Which I think is a really mm. brilliant way of summing up all of Tenko. That you know, mm. in, they all survived. Well, not all of them. Mm. The ones that did survive mm. are there now, and what they must yes. do with that survival is something positive. Yes. And I think that's a brilliant mm. message to end on. Yeah, yeah. And it does it, it does cut. Also, you do see Kate in Singapore, and and with all exchanging Rico, yeah. a, a coy look across the room yes, with Duncan, <laughs> with Duncan. Yeah. You know, so we think, all right, something's hey, hey. happening there. <laughs> and uh, and you also get the and and this this is what interests me is I was convinced from the last time I watched it yeah. that the last shot you see is the one of Christine through the bars. Yeah. And of course, that isn't the last scene no. at all. The last shot is, but that was, is the toast. That was the shot friends. that, yes, and that was the shot that stuck in my head. Was was the the one only pull back, and you get the sort of, the bars and the jail, and and her future at the moment is basically sort of languishing in a Singapore prison. But then we do cut back to Britain, and and you get this. It's a peculiar move to line them all up. On the sofa, you know, I yeah. understand. I understand why it was done. Yeah, because they actually shift the chaps out of the way, yeah. don't they, slightly, and so you actually get the women from the series yeah. lined up, and then they do the toast to absent friends, which of course is absolutely what it should. Yeah, be. Yeah, and it makes me cry. And, it makes me cry. Yeah, and an absent friends, an absent friends is, is is one of those things that makes you think because it does. I mean, we didn't, we don't get flashbacks of all the people who didn't make it no. to the end. No. You know, we don't that that would have been crass yeah. but, but it makes you think about the loss and where people are and i just think yeah that is to be fair the perfect ending for tenka yeah and yeah uh, how how can you how can you argue with yeah. that you know that's gorgeously done yeah for if our world is to survive in any sense that makes survival worthwhile it must learn to love not to hate, to create, not to destroy. To absent we friends. Stand at the beginning of a new absent friends. Absent friends. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Christmas, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful way to end Tenko, and I think it's it's often dismissed as just an extra special, but I think it actually just it does everything it should do, and I think Jill Hyam totally delivers. 
um, a little story. It and, wraps it up yeah. in a nice big bow, doesn't it? Well, and that's oh, the thing. I don't know whether I like. Uh, I don't know whether I like that comment. No, I think it. No, it has to. It puts an end to it, and it puts it end as a as a as a unit. Yeah. And it doesn't say, oh, next year Tenko Two starts. Yeah. You know, I, I, what I mean fi- is the story finishes there. Yes, it does, but I don't think it wraps up in a bow because I think you've got the ongoing thing of Christina and the and the prison sentence, and you've got the fact that life isn't easy for everyone. Oh, it's just Christmas, and yeah, I always I always get sentimental at Christmas, even though I shouldn't. <laughs> and I say I don't, but I do. Yeah. Little story about when it was repeated. I think it was a year later, and Ken Riddington okay. rang up Jill to say. That was really good. <laughs> and Jill was like really taken aback because Ken wasn't apparently one for praise like that. So he thought, okay. she thought, it must have been pretty good if Ken rang me up. <laughs> hmm. A year late? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't, he didn't ring up the first time a year later. No. But um, yeah, I think she did a bloody good job. And of course. Maybe he was busy on, on Boxing Day that yeah. year. What, what, what day was the repeat? <laughs> Don't know. But of course, as well, um, we mustn't forget that Lavinia storylined it, you know, so. Yeah, mm. and what she laid out for four and five um, in that document, I mean, honestly, it's all there. The reunion is all there, mm. effectively. It really is, mm. in terms of all the characters and what might happen to them. Mm. Um, so would it have actually taken them, would the two series have taken them to about 1950, or was the... Yes, the idea being that the 1950 reunion would have either been at the end of series four or at the end of series five as mm. a final thing. Yes, it was mm. always there. So... um I just want to end by saying I have recorded an interview with Lavinia Warner about all of Tenko, mm-hmm. very much about the inception of the series and why she mm-hmm. wanted to to create it and come up with it and why she felt the story had to be told, mm-hmm. but also moving into the reunion and the possible series four and five. And, and also the issue of the fact that the women were not given marked graves, um, you know, that, well, there was a cemetery that was destroyed and a, a petrol station mm-hmm. was built over, for instance, and... You know, mm. the fact that they weren't felt that they needed a memorial because they were only civilian women, um, mm. the, the women who died in the camps. Um, so, mm. and also what is now standing in the place of the camp. So, Lavinia talks a bit mm. about that, which is really interesting. And it brings back the, the reminder that it was a real thing. This isn't fiction. This is, yeah. this is reality. Were, they, were the people who died in the camps disinterred and reburied, or were they just. There was cherry picking that went on that certain right. certain women were certain yeah were removed and taken to Jakarta, but some weren't, mm. um, and yeah, it was mm. a really horrible, horrible situation mm. because the War Graves Commission officially were not responsible; they're only responsible for the the military personnel. So they just mm. paid no attention to the fact that these okay. that this desecration, yeah. Yeah. So on that, yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> you pick it up in another way. <laughs> oh. I don't think I'll put. I don't anyway, think I'll leave so that bit in. So yes. So <laughs> listening at the end, um, uh, from ten a.m., there'll be my interview with Lavinia um, about ten. How long does that last then? Ooh, it's a good hour. Ooh. Yes. A meaty one. A meaty one. Right. Yes. I lost a whole Saturday a few weeks ago at Secret. <laughs> yeah, I think we all did. <laughs> To say nothing of the weeks before when I was editing. <laughs> ah, yes, of course. <laughs> okay, so... Um, you take care. Yes, and you, Martin. Thank you for um, for going back to Tenko with me and letting me bang Twice. on. Twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
<laughs> so are we doing Tenko next? Then? No, no, the stuttering's <laughs> over. We're on to you next time, mate. Mm, Not you. 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 Yeah. No, you. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes. Ulrika. Oh, yes. <laughs> that would have been a good series. <laughs> Ulrika with an exclamation mark. Yes, I think it would have to be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Okay. Nice to speak to you. You take care. Yeah, bye. Speak to you soon. Bye. Hello, Andy here again. A few months ago, I was in conversation with Tim from the Doctor Who Missing Episodes podcast. I'd seen on Twitter that he'd been watching Tenko for the very first time. And I decided to have a bit of a chat with him to see what he thought. Here's that interview with Tim. Tell me, first of all, about your podcast and how people can find you. Oh, thank you very much. It's um, it's a podcast about the missing episodes of Doctor Who. We're working through a story at a time. Um, we get interesting guests on, or we hope to. So if we can talk about the recovery of a story, we, we, we've been very lucky in that we've been able to get some fantastic guests on who have been able to talk about the recovery of the missing materials and we we review on a story by story basis and it seems to be going great and that they can find us the easiest way is to find me on twitter at doctor who podcasters with a dr and follow the links there on the profile thanks for the plug no no problem um i'm an avid listener um, ah. yeah <laughs> you're the one <laughs> yes you found me <laughs> So, um, yeah, the reason I was keen to talk to Tim was because I was aware, having seen him tweeting away about Tenko, that he's just recently had a binge watch of it and it's got yeah. through all 31 episodes in a remarkable amount of time. In a week, I think, or something wow, like that. That or must less. be some sort of world record. Well, I'm furloughed, so <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd I thought I'd broaden my horizons by sitting on the same space on the couch and watching a load of, of old TV. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I went for it. I did a little Twitter poll. Okay. Saying what should I watch, and gave four options. And I was hoping everyone would say the enemy at the door, because <laughs> I'm a big Alfred Burke fan. Ah. And nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> and Tenko came out ahead, which was good. I mean, it, it's fine. I I put it in there as a sort of also ran because um, I remember it being around. I mean, I was. I was very young when it went out, but I knew my mother had watched it and I'd heard Louise Jameson talking about it. But I was expecting this sort of dour, serious um, drama just about, sort of, say just, but about the privations of internment. And it, yeah. it was never really top of the list, to be honest. But I watched it. And what were your first impressions then? Completely surpassed those expectations of just Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wonderful. Uh, very rich. Sometimes warm. Sometimes funny. Often harrowing. Yeah. And this the, the this character-driven, brilliantly written, and acted drama. I mean, it was just. It just kept me seated and kept wanting me to just see what happened with these characters next. It was it was fascinating, really. Um, yeah, really, really surprised that more people don't shout about it, to be honest. Yeah, it is a, a small community of fans, I think, who, yeah. who do like it. And when we were putting on the um, event to launch the book, I was like, will anyone come? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's it's certainly got a following, but it's it's not something people, you know, talk about straight away as a great drama, but, necessarily. It, it, but it was a prime time. I don't know when. When did it go out? 
So it went out Normally. from 81 to 85. But what, what day of the week, what time of night? Oh, it, it changed. It changed. So it started off, I think, in a weekdays and then it turned, it went on to Sundays, which was kind of prime time. So in the last it series, got, it was Sunday. It got big viewing figures, didn't it? Oh, so yeah. It was a, a huge. piece of the landscape. It yeah. was, it, 17 maybe, million at the end. So, yeah. 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 Maybe the viewership then isn't one that's necessarily conducive to sort of archive TV fans, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, it's strange it doesn't have more of a presence. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? Mm. So, from the perspective of 2020, the, the mm. year that we all want to forget, <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you make of it from this distance? So, it's, you know, it's 40 years old. How, how do you how do you think it stands up on that basis? Um, I think well the writing and and the uh, performances stand up. I think they always will. It felt very modern to me in in that sense. And the issues that they dealt with, um, you know, I mean I've just jotted down a list of the things off the top of my head that they've dealt with and racism, colonialism, class, health, women's health in particular. Infant mortality, mortality, sexuality, mental health, spirituality, and suicide. I mean, these are all very yeah. modern, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dramatic themes. And it absolutely stood up. It didn't shy away from anything. Um, and so, therefore, it feels more like something that we would watch now, to me, rather than something I can imagine my parents or grandparents watching in their millions. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But when you list all those different things, it makes it it makes you realise it's very issue led drama, which isn't maybe obvious. Yeah, um, character and issue led, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, and it it, it sounds obvious, but um <laughs> it's not focused on the plight of men in a war setting. It's it's set a, and I don't know whether that was the sort of USP at the time. Um, but that's a that's a big thing, isn't it? I put out a thing on Twitter yesterday, uh, which you've seen. I yeah. know you've joined in with, <coughs> trying to just while I was thinking about this conversation and trying to think if there was anything else beforehand. And and out of all these archive TV fans, we could only come up with four or five things that had a female lead in a war setting, yeah. let alone being yeah. set with a with an ensemble cast of female leads. Yeah. So that was that's interesting. Yeah. I mean uh, the other one that we didn't talk about in that thread was Secret mm. Army, which arguably Ryan's right. end has two female leads. Right, okay. Oh fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's and which is the other reason why I've written a book about it. Because <laughs> it's obviously <laughs> something I like. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh, but uh two elements which did struggle to stand up i okay, think yeah. were um on the production side of things the footage the picture quality especially the video stuff the film stuff is fine yeah but the video stuff is a bit creaky yeah uh, and i don't know whether there's a better transfer that could be done in a hypothetical bid to get people to re-engage with it but it, it did look a bit creaky on some of the video didn't it sure. especially the outdoorsy stuff yeah. um and then <laughs> when you binge watch something rather than watch it over a number of years as it's intended some of the which i'm guessing are casting decisions mm. um are a bit abrupt yeah and you wouldn't get that in a modern drama so half the cast is written off not half the cast but a number of the cast are written off at the end of the first series aren't they yes um and 
They, uh, does Blanche disappear for a while? So I thought she was gone, but she she comes into yeah. it after a few episodes. So both both disappearances are to do with Louise having children. So she yes. had her first okay. child after series one, so she couldn't come straight back. Yeah. And then she had a second child between series two and three, and they tried everything they could to try and get her back, but it just they just couldn't get it to work. Yeah. With her but when show. they couldn't get her back, they killed her off, didn't they? Just yes. as a as yeah. a as an afterthought. Not as yeah. an afterthought, as a as a that'll do. I know. Um, and, of, and all her lines went to Maggie. So Maggie. Yeah, that's blind. right. I yeah. was gonna talk about that yeah. a little bit. But um you also lost Nelly um after the first series, didn't you? Yeah. And you lost um the the Sylvia. Renee Asherson. Sylvia, Sylvia yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um at the end of the first series. And so that's that that's something completely different. Well, something they do completely differently now. I think they give them more of a, a justification in their leaving, or, or 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 they tell that story a little bit more carefully. I think now. Sure. So they did they did clang a bit, and with Maggie, um, it was so clear that her lines had been copy pasted over into this superficially different, regionally different, but very similar character. I didn't really get on with her yeah. uh, as much. I was too involved with all the characters that had been there. Yes, exactly. For the previous it's, it's 20 hard, episodes. It's hard so. to build that sort of same rapport, isn't it? Yeah. So she was on a hiding to nothing, really. Character. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think Lizzie Mickery had a really tough job. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Of course, she's a famous TV writer now. I mean, she's, yes, indeed. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I think it stands up dramatically. And with the writing, I think it's very modern. But... It, some of the casting and production stuff doesn't quite stand up, but that's that's the least of my complaints, really. Yeah. So if you were having to pick out, I don't know, a storyline, a moment, something that you think will stick with you, and you'll you'll always remember that was that was something else. <laughs> um. Well, the thing that will stick with me most is not the moments; it's the the journeys. Yeah. Um, and I can talk about those if you want. Please or, do. Or mo- yeah. Uh, well, the, the, it's just it's. It felt like a masterpiece almost, and I don't know whether it was by by virtue of just writing these characters as they as they wrote the series and sort of seeing where they went. But it just felt like you've got this ensemble cast of all these characters, and they all go on a journey, and they're all on different trajectories. Some journeys are over quicker than others. Some yep. are in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um. And I just I sat back after I gorged on this thing and just yeah. thought, wow that was complex yeah and really well and i don't think they would have plotted it out but it's the sort of thing nowadays they'd plot out all these character journeys over a number of of series so that's my biggest takeaway moment wise yeah. um the bit the more conventional dramatic bit sort of stick out so <laughs> I took to Twitter when there were gunshots at the end of the episode when yes. <laughs> Stephanie Beecham yeah, had, uh, seven of series uh, two, had gone off to meet Bernard in yeah. the jungle yeah. and there were gunshots. And I took to Twitter and yeah. then had this moment of self-realization that I was <laughs> trying to have this shared experience with yes. something that nobody else would was, think was to watch or would time. be watching. Yeah. Um, so that was a real jarring yes, moment. It's such uh, a cliffhanger that one. Um, I don't, I um, I, I, I don't often get a lump in the throat uh, watching much, but there was a bit towards the end of series one where um, Stephanie Cole, Doctor Mason, yep. 
cracked. Yeah. And I don't that really got to me. I'm not quite sure right. why. Yeah, it's but, when she's got the she, she's got the plants, hasn't she? She's trying to get the berry, yeah, uh, the that's vitamin. right. Yeah, and that really got to me because she had been the stoical yeah. rock so far. Um, that that really affected me mm. actually, and I wouldn't have expected something like that to do. Um, yeah, right at the right at the end, Christina. Yes, uh, being a, a communist rebel, that was pretty shocking. It still had the ability to pull the rug, even at the you know the last knockings of the series. Sure, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the the really dramatic moments stand yeah. out as moments. I can't think of any conversations or relationships yeah. that stand out, but the journeys certainly do. Yeah, I marvel at the journeys. Yeah, yeah. So. Which particular character's journeys did you did you enjoy the most? Did you think, oh wow, that's that's perfect, or I I, I totally believe in that journey? Uh, Marion took me a long time to become interested in, right? To be honest, yeah. But by the end, by goodness, I felt involved, yeah, with her, yeah. Um, and you sort of understood the full journey, yeah. Not until the third series, you know, where she's bored with her sort of privileged life to start with isn't she yeah and then she learns her finds her vocation i think which is a leader yeah in a trying setting and uh, and it's not until she tried to get back her own life yeah. that i really felt involved with with that i thought right. that was very powerful yeah. real slow burner that one totally. um yeah. i found dr mason uh Stephanie Cole, fascinating. I yeah. couldn't get my, I couldn't take my eyes off her. Yeah. To be honest, I thought she was wonderful yeah. for an actress who I think of as a, 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 a comedic actress in the main. In my experience of having seen her, I thought she was knockout. Yeah, she's um, yeah. And and the character's journey was subtle and brilliant. And you never thought at the start that you'd have comic moments with her. You know, when she gets up and she's an ace tangoer. Or yes. can play the piano, yeah. or whatever. They're delightful moments, yeah, exactly. and and show the humanization of her as she goes on. I yeah. thought, um, Ulrika. I thought she, yeah, I couldn't take my eyes off her yeah. as well. Her her journey from being pious to this sort of warm humanist human character. I thought that was brilliant. Um, and Yamauchi. Right. I thought he was fascinating, and um, you, I don't think of Bert Kwok. No. <laughs> no, well, why would as you? As a dramatic actor, yeah. indeed. Uh, but I thought that was a fascinating character, yeah. um, and really well written, and shockingly sympathetic. I think. Yes. Because when you when I watch um, Bridge on the River Kwai, yeah, you've got uh, that you know, which I know inside out. You've got. Saito, and you walk into it. I uh, walked into Tenko thinking, well, Yamauchi is going to be another Saito, hmm. and he wasn't. He was really sympathetically dealt with to the to the point where, right or wrong, I ended up resenting Doctor Mason hmm. at the end, where she wanted his head. Yeah, I don't know whether I don't know how I should feel about that. That's quite a trick to pull, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> So that was really fascinating how they dealt with him because the, he also contrasted to some of the other Japanese guards and officers that we saw who were horrible. Yeah. Uh, and Yamauchi was 
so sympathetic i i was surprised how much i ended up uh warming to him yeah my grandfather used to hate the japanese right and he 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 would have watched this or might have watched this or been around at this and i end up thinking what that he used to hate them because of the the stories he'd heard he wasn't in uh, the east during the war okay. but um he used to tell us st stories and spit out this vitriol about how they treated British prisoners of war. Yeah. And I ended up thinking how he would have viewed this and how that generation would have viewed this when it went out, because they would have been in early old age, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that was an interesting thought process yeah. as well. My grandfather was out in Burma. Right, um, okay. During the war, and then right. he, he never spoke about it. Mm. So, because I think of everything that he witnessed, it's just one of those things that wasn't done. But yeah, um, indeed. But yeah, it's. I think what's definite is that they had to, they had to pull back a bit on how violent they were and how horrific it was. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I think by the time they were in the final camps, they basically were sitting around rocking. They weren't. They're prisoners. Yeah. They were just. Yeah. They could didn't have the energy to move, and you know it was properly you know beyond beyond anything you could televise <laughs> yes indeed but I, w I wonder how that generation would have felt about this uh, not it's not completely sympathetic he is a sympathetic character amongst a brutal regime mm. um, but I wonder how they would have felt about that uh, exactly never find yeah. out but be interesting to know yeah. and if you've not seen secret army yet they pull similar tricks with that so right okay yeah, there's there's actually moments where you feel for the main Nazi character. Well, I'm just catching up with um, Colditz, actually, ah, which, okay. I've, which, I, which I've dipped in and out of in the past, but I'm, I'm now gorging myself on that. Oh, yeah. And Bernard Hepton is quite sympathetic, isn't he, in that? In Colditz, um, yeah. In, yeah. in Colditz, yeah. And he's meant to be a hero Army in Secret Army, and he's not sympathetic. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just quite <laughs> astonishing. He's more sympathetic um, as the Nazi. <laughs> well, he's not a Nazi, he's yeah. a German, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, it's just fascinating. I've, I've, there was one or two characters who I, I wasn't quite so interested in. Yeah. I didn't think were quite so um, sympathetic, or sure. I, I, I didn't really get on with their journeys. But there are f you don't get many dramas where there are five, six, seven, eight characters who you just want to see where they're going and what they're doing. Totally. And this pull and this pulls it off in spades. Yeah, I think I think it's a. a a masterpiece of character stuff. I really do. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's that was all my questions. Oh, one more, one more question. Mm. Um, it's regarded as a, wo a a drama for women or a women's drama. How do you feel mm. about that? I probably shared that preconception uh, in my life. I've been, uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not why I would shy away from it, but mm. I grew up knowing my mum watched it. Um, funnily enough, I rang her the other day. Yeah. And she said, what are you up to? And I said, I've been watching Tenko. <laughs> and she reeled off the cast. Wow. Uh, from 40 years ago, having not watched it. And the first person she mentioned was Jean Anderson. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Which really surprised me. She yeah. was wonderful as yes, well. But course. she didn't have much, so much of a journey. No. I felt her. Uh, I felt the disposal of her at the end was a bit unnecessary, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know it opened up a, a pathway for Doctor Mason to get a finish to her story. Yes. But I felt that was a bit unnecessary, yeah. a bit sensationalist yeah. for the sake of it. 
but um sorry what the question is it a women's drama no well uh, it may have been viewed at the time because you had the audience at the time i guess would have been this second world war generation Mm. Um, in early old age who would have been sat watching it um, and I don't think they would have necessarily found it very appealing when they've been immersed in your great escapes and your colditzes and your secret armies I think that might have been a preferred story for that generation mm. to watch both male and female perhaps yeah. but um, it isn't now yeah. it isn't now it's it's very modern and, and there are the stories should be of interest to anyone yeah. and it's not all it's not an all-female cast is it it's led it's a story about the females the women yeah. um but i didn't perceive it as something i felt wasn't aimed for me yeah sure as a 40 odd year old yeah yeah man uh-huh. yeah yeah i think it's just so, no. s- somehow it is dismissed in that way sometimes and i find that yeah. interesting yeah. yeah, and I think that's maybe why it doesn't get the the attention from the 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 the, the archive TV audience, yeah. which I dare say is, I know it's not wholly, but it's predominantly male, isn't it? A middle aged, mm. and maybe that's why it doesn't have have that much attention. Sure, but it bloody well should. Yes. <laughs> and on that note, um, I want to thank you for spending a bit of time talking to me about Tenko. Um, my pleasure yeah and um yeah it's great to to hear that people are still finding it and it's it's yeah it's, it's yeah i've just got this this 700 page book to wade through oh, now i wouldn't bother with that it's a load of crap <laughs> <laughs> i can sense i can sense from the amazon reviews that it's very slapdash on the the socialist leanings <laughs> of of joss <laughs> <laughs> another review that i loved which was a one-star review it's a day of one-star reviews for me um <laughs> just had the pub bore review on the tv drama pub today a one-star review um for the book they said well there's nothing new in here <laughs> i'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, i've researched this book for years everything in it is new never been that seen socialist before. comment it's was, the socialist uh, outlook so one-eyed yeah. it was so one-eyed she wasn't a socialist anyway she was a liberal anyway yes. um <laughs> i must try harder <laughs> <laughs> okay Fantastic. well thank you so much tim and go listen to the missing episodes podcast it is brilliant and it's unmissable podcastery in my opinion (laughs) thank you very much and with that this episode is over please do go and listen to the interview with Tenko creator Lavinia Warner but after that we won't be putting out any new content until the 14th of January which is our new monthly date for new episodes from the UK TV drama pod so we're going from every two weeks to every month and we're going to try and put them out on the 14th of every month And next time, we're onto the letter U, and we'll be looking at the drama series from Channel 4, Ultraviolet. Thank you, and happy Christmas.
Tut, tut, tut. Hallo. Ja, stå upp, back.